You are listening to Sunday Drivers, a NASCAR series on the Variety Sports Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to Sunday Drivers. I am Dan Brady. And my name is Linus Brostrom. And you are joining us all the way from Sweden. How are you doing, man? Uh, I'm good. Uh, excited to be uh, on with you guys. been doing uh, a Swedish NASCAR podcast for about a year, uh, until about a year ago. So uh, excited to get back into podcasting and getting to talk about NASCAR again. Oh, man. I uh, I never, I always relish an opportunity to talk NASCAR. So we are going to be talking about Texas, the All-Star Race, the fiasco. Uh, but first, we're going to start with some news that was just announced yesterday. Uh, Trackhouse Racing is going to be doing a, uh, they're calling it Project 91 this year. Mm-hmm. And it's basically, uh, they're going to bring in uh, international drivers to run a couple of races. They're going to be announcing on Thursday who their first driver in the first track is going to be. Yeah, that's uh, that's huge news, especially for us international race fans like myself from Sweden. Um can be literally anyone. I would like to see the likes of uh, Max Verstappen or Lewis Hamilton from F1, but at the same time, I don't really see that happening, uh, though they did include F1 in their video, so maybe that's a goal for them. Uh, but, you know, it until they announce it, it's just impossible to say it is. But it's uh, it's great news, I think, for both the sport and international NASCAR fans. Yeah, I a lot of people, of course, because Lewis Ham- Hamilton is one of the best drivers in f1 right now i don't know about the history but i know the guy is a goat uh seven championships or something like that but of course everybody's just assuming it's going to be him everybody you know him at sonoma um but i they could also change it up or bring in these road course guys and say hey this is an oval you know we we have no idea what's going to happen plus i mean track house racing has been pushing the limits this year so, yeah, I, they've been uh, they've been overperforming well above my expectations. And, you know, if they bring it on an oval, uh, there are, you know, IndyCar guys they could bring in. Uh, there is an NASCAR Wheel and Euro Series, I think it's called. Obviously, they just run road courses as far as I know, but there's a bunch of drivers in there they could pick from. Um, so they could bring in someone from like V8 Supercars in Australia. Yeah. Uh, you know, anything. It's the world is huge. They could pick literally anyone, and we have no idea. Yeah, and that's and what I love about this. Absolutely, and you know, you go back to saying didn't expect Trackhouse to be good this year, and I think I didn't expect Petty Enterprises to be good. You know, uh, calling I I didn't expect this new car to give as much of an advantage to the lower funded teams as it did. I know everybody talked about it. But it's been amazing to watch. Yeah, it feels it feels kind of like it's uh, is a bit more up to the driver at times. Uh, but then you'll see, like when Chastain is fast, Suarez is also fast, and then their affiliates at RCR are also fast. And then, like we saw two weeks ago, all of a sudden, all six Toyotas were fast. So I think at some tracks is more up to the driver, and then all of a sudden the team hits on something, and then they'll be fast for a couple of weeks. But it seems like it's just up and down from week to week, so it's almost impossible to to know in advance who's going to be fast. And that's what I think I love most about this season so far in this new car especially. Yeah, we, we've we got 13 races down, 13, 14 races 
Uh, are there any drivers you think so far that have kind of figured out this car? Uh, well, Chastain is obviously one of them since he's got two wins so far. Um, Kyle Larson, obviously everyone was expecting him to run away with it again, I guess. Not maybe yeah. not everyone, but he's uh, he's not up there as much as I think most expected him to. Uh, Ryan Blaney, obviously he won this week, but he doesn't have a points-paying win so far. He's still second in points and he's always up front. Uh, so that's one driver, I think. The only thing missing for him is a win. Other than that, this is almost a perfect season for him. And uh, Chase Elliott as well. He's only got one win so far, right? He's leading the championship, so he's been fast too. Um, he's Tyler got one... Reddick. Yeah, Reddick. Yeah, Tyler Reddick is another one. He should have a, a win, which got taken away 200 yards from the finish line, <laughs> uh, as we all know. But he's he's also quick every week. He's just run into uh, a lot of issues with the uh, tires and stuff like that. So And going into the wall, obviously, which he does because he's running up there all the time. And Reddick, Reddick has been proving that he's better beyond the mile mile and a half. We've seen him do good. He dominated California before he lost the tire. He, you know, Bristol mm-hmm. dirt. Uh, I mean, we're heading into a string of mile and a half over the next month or so. We got Charlotte, uh, Worldwide Technology, and Nashville all coming up in the next month. I think it's... Byron, Byron is one of the drivers that has figured it out so far. I, he probably would have more or better finishes, but uh, everybody's finding bad luck this year. If it's not your turn to lose a tire, it's going to be next week. So, yes, yeah, uh, there's a lot of guys that have that's had a, a very very good season, and uh, you know, Denny Hamlin he started off very rough, but his last few weeks he's really picked it up. So, I mean. He goes far into the playoffs. He, even he could have a, a great season despite the bad start he had. Um, so I, was, I think I was at Richmond when he pulled off that win. I actually yeah. got confetti from his victory lane. <laughs> yeah, that, that, I think that was huge for that team. That win yeah. really took a weight off their shoulders. Now they can just focus on getting you know back into rhythm and building good results. They don't need to worry about the points, the playoffs, because they're in there. As as long as we don't get you know 17 winners and they're bumped out because they, they're the lowest one. But I think they're going to rack up enough points anyway, so I don't think they need to worry. I Yeah, everybody keeps saying, oh, they're not going to hit 16 winners. But, like, we're at 11 right now, and we have more than 11 weeks till the playoff. You know, it, anything can happen. We can't predict something like that. Like there, there could be twenty different winners by the time we roll into uh, what's the first race this year? Vegas or Darlington? One of the two or uh, Daytona? Yeah, there's there's just too many good guys that hasn't won yet. So, and you know, the final, the regular season finale is at Daytona, right? So you could pick anyone to win, or apart from maybe Cody Ware. <laughs> but there is literally 25 guys that can win at Daytona. Hey, if somebody puts a big so, titty goth girl on their car, Cody Ware might find his way to the front. Maybe. <laughs> uh, so uh, trucks start things off at uh, Texas this weekend. You watched the truck race? Yeah, uh, not as uh, as much as I used to because I was kind of busy, but it was, uh, it was actually a very good race. And... Uh, 
Stuart Friesen ended up uh, with the win, even though, well, he got second in both stages, if I don't yeah. uh, misremember. But then started the final stage, he just took the lead and took off. But that, that had uh, quite a few comers and goers uh, as well. Well, so. he made uh, he made the pass pass for the win uh, coming out of turn three on the final lap. It was a, it was a thanks to a restart. It was a pretty close finish, but yeah, he uh, I, I like to see Stuart Friesen win because he's just a regular good old boy. He goes dirt track racing with his wife, and it's it's good to see an you know an underdog win. But his win actually marked uh, Toyota's twenty second win there uh, at Texas in the trucks. Yeah, they've been uh, in the last few years. They've been dominant in that series. I think that's partly because of KBM, but then like two of the top teams in there are all Toyotas, so they're 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 always filling the top ten. It feels like. And uh, John Hunter Nemechek this year, though, I think he has been underperforming in that Toyota. Yeah. A lot of people, including himself, probably expected him to win five, six, maybe even ten races, and he's got what one win so far? Two? One win, and he got one that win. at Darlington a couple weeks ago. You know. Uh, he just he hasn't even when he races in the Xfinity series. I think he's got a win over there, but he also lost to his teammate at Richmond too. You know, um, it's just been a weird year for him because he came out of the gate swinging last year. Yeah, it's uh, I don't, I don't know. I mean, first few races obviously that could have been played into that because he didn't win like he expected to, and then it gets rough. You get a crash or two. And you're like, oh, shit, this is not as easy as I expected it to. And that kind of gets in your head pretty quickly. And, uh, I mean, these guys that he's racing against, some of them, they aren't rookies. You know, Stuart Friesen has been around for quite a while. Uh, so Ryan Priest knows what he's doing whenever he's in there. Yeah. He, so, I mean, he it's, won uh, the first stage on Friday, Ryan Priest did. Yeah. So, and then now he's got... Drivers like Ty Majeski, who's had quite a yeah. few good races racing him. And I think Majeski finished ahead of Nemechek in the last race, didn't he? I think he yeah. got a top five. So, uh, And Corey I mean, Haim and Chandler Smith, like he's in there with probably the top prospects of tomorrow, you know? So he's, I think he's in a bad position. If he doesn't perform here, who's going to want him? Yeah, I mean, Haim and Corey coming straight out of Arca and being competitive with John Hunter and Imacek, who is expected to be dominating. I mean, that's going to be a big boost for Corey as well as being a big weight on John Hunter and Imacek. And I mean, you know, he's got Kyle Busch as his car owner. So him not performing like he's, he, like he's expected to, Kyle Busch is probably giving him an ass chewing or two as well, which does not help either. So it, it kind of, once it starts going bad and, you know, no one really... Like every, it goes against you in so many different ways, especially when you're on that team because you're expected to be on the top and you get beaten by teammates and rookies and younger guys from other teams. You know, it just keeps on building. Yeah, and KBM has dropped off in the past couple of years after Rudy Fugel went to uh, Hendrick Motorsports to crew chief for Byron. So I, I remember 2018, 2017, like, it seemed like every truck running a, uh, a race belonged to Kyle Busch. So I, I think as a whole, that team needs to figure out something because they, they should be peeling off three, four wins uh, a piece each just in the equipment they have. 
Yeah, the the whole team is you know underperforming to what I think uh, both Kyle and the drivers are expecting to. Uh, even though John Hunter is you know leading the championship, but he doesn't have the wins like he's expected to. And is it Sane Smith who's got three wins this year? Yeah, I think he's the only multi-time winner in the Truck Series out of the full-time drivers. Anyway, they haven't done that many races with, yet. But with Front Row Motorsports, yep. Yeah, he's in a Ford even, so it's not even in a Toyota, which is the rest of the top seven are Toyotas. So that's uh, you know, there, there's just so many competitive guys this year, whereas previously it's been like three, four guys who won most of the races, and then you had you know the odd guy coming up every now and then but this year there's just so many that can win yeah zane smith has blown the lid off of my expectations for him like i knew he was a good driver but you know uh front row motorsports isn't the best equipment but he's he's coming out of the gate swinging he won daytona um uh darlington i think it was and i can't remember no kansas i i can't remember where the other one was but yeah he's had a great season uh, he won Coda as well. Okay, yeah. So, and that's three different tracks too. Like, yeah. him, uh, so, and then uh, Reddick on Saturday he wins the truck or the Xfinity race. I think it was his ninth career Xfinity win. Yeah, nine three. He's had. He doesn't have as many as you could you'd expect him to, considering he's a two time champion. But that's because Kyle Busch comes in there and steals all his wins, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is what he did basically to the uh, the uh, original drivers. Now well, the full time he... drivers now, but you know he's uh, when he goes down to Xfinity to race, he he, uh, he really shows his talent. Absolutely, yeah, and you know it's also dangerous to have a guy like Reddick out there on track, uh, you know, on a track that he's relatively good at. So it's. It's just kind of being able to have that extra practice at a track that he's already pretty good. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, didn't get any use of that on on no. Sunday. But and uh, it, again, yeah. it looked like he had a strong car too. Yeah. So it's he's just having bad luck. Uh, eventually, I think he he definitely is going to pull off a win here soon. Yeah, but I think this win was definitely a confidence booster for him, especially coming down there as the RCR cars who his team is affiliated with aren't running as good as they're expecting to. He comes in there and just, you know, wipes the floor with them, wins the race in in almost dominating fashion. So uh, as well as that being a confidence booster for him, it shows RCR that their cars are actually good and it's something else they need to work on. Um, Now, obviously, uh, JRM has been dominating that series mm. in the wins column and the stage win columns and the dash for cash column and, you know, everything. Uh, but for him to show RCR, they do have speed. They can start working more on the drivers, I think, and not have to worry about the, the issues actually on their cars. Just more sim time for the drivers, I guess, to get them faster. Yeah. Uh, JRM, like you mentioned, they're on a tear this year, but I think this is probably one of the best uh, driver pools that they've had in a while, you know, um, Algar, I think Algar is probably going to be with junior motorsports until he retires. I don't ever see him going up to the cup series, but then you have him, uh, Gregson, Barry, and then, uh, Sam Mayer, who's probably one of the, you know, he's definitely going to be a, a future winner in the cup series. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, 
you could kind of say in a way I felt I felt really bad for him at the end of that Texas race because that should you know in a way have been his first win because the first the two guys that beat him was two full-time drivers Tyler Reddick and William Byron so he was the best full-time Xfinity driver which kind of sucks for him because he's had like in the last seven starts he's had six top fives and then he had the crash at Talladega so if you don't count that because you know that obviously wasn't his fault that's six straight great performances with top five in each and at least this last one could have been a win and he so he's he's getting really close to that first win i think and once he knocks that first win off I, there is no telling where he's gonna go i i think that could be coming this weekend because he's really good at mile and a half he was again good at texas which is the same kind of mile and a half that charlotte is so we'll see but there is there is big things in that kid's future unless it's another UFC fight with Tyler Gibbs. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, we've been missing those for the last few weeks, but I'm looking forward to seeing that continuing. Just hope uh, it doesn't ruin his uh, his chances come the playoffs later on if right. uh, Gibbs is out and he's not. So um, all star qualifying uh, this. Every year, uh, the all-star race just kind of, the, the format keeps getting weirder. Uh, this year, the qualifying was basically um, the top 10 guys after regular qualifying have to race side by side. We were talking about that before we hit the record button, but I, I know what they're trying to do. But like you said, during the drag race por- portion of the qualifying like if you beat them coming out of pits, you you won the qualifying race. Yeah, like the first guy that comes off pit, it's basically a pit pit road competition or a pit stop competition, and the first guy off pit road, you know, there's no way to pass him because you just you takes time to get up to speed unless it misses the shift or something. But obviously these guys are too good and they, they've got sequential shifters. So unless you do get Denny Hamlin and go from second into First, when you want to go into third, because you forget about it, you're you're you won the the battle if you're first off pit road. But then again, it's uh, you know normal qualifying like they usually have for all star. It's included a pit stop, and but that also had full speed on pit road, full speed off pit road, and two full laps. So you know, but it, they want to mix it up. People want to see change, and then when they change it, people complain about that. So it's, uh, you know, it's it's good that they mix it up. I don't think they're going to come back yeah. to this particular format again. I I am never very negative about NASCAR. I am almost always supportive of everything that they do. But if they want to have a pit crew challenge and bring back the pit crew challenge, everybody wants it. It was yeah. it was fun to watch. Plus, it actually put the pit crews, you know, front and center. Center, because still there's a racing aspect to this. But if you want to have guys racing in the qualifying, then have them come into the flag side by side and have a real one lap shootout. See who's the best driver door to door. But yeah. I, I don't think we'll be returning to Texas next year for um, the All Star race. Yeah, it's uh, obviously Marcus Smith or whoever that was said that they are definitely coming back because they sold more tickets. But after this year, I don't think next year they're going to sell nearly as many tickets as it did this year. So looking at the glut poll and all that, there is no way they'll put it back at Texas unless they make a huge change to the track. 
I didn't see the Gluck poll after it ended, but it's basically what 10% and 80%. 10% said yes, it was a good race, and 80 said no, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, last and... time I checked, it was no 89.4%. So I don't know where it ended, but that was after like more than 24 hours, I think, or just about before 24 hours. So I mean, 11, no more than 11 or 10% said it was a good race. And I saw some comments, someone said, yeah, I smoked weed during the race. So that might have helped my enjoyment of the race. And I only voted yes because my driver won and all that. So, I mean, I don't think the format had an issue because this was actually, at least for me, one of the easier formats. Because obviously you win the first stage, you start first, you win the second stage, you start second, second. et cetera, et cetera. So it's more like three qualifying races going into the final stage. Uh, but it's, you know, so the format, I think, was good. It's just the track needs to change. P- yeah. question is, where do you go? See, I, I thought about this. I, I mean, a lot of people are saying go back to Charlotte. Um, I Try a new place. I think Homestead would be a great place for the all-star race. You know, it it's a good mile and a half track. Uh, probably a really good race with the new gen car. But, you know, it needs maybe take it back to Charlotte. But if NASCAR's intent on doing a dirt race at Bristol, why not just do a 100-lap dirt race? You know, uh, P- make everybody happy. Put uh, Bristol dirt in May. Uh, give us back the asphalt date in the spring for Bristol. Everybody wins. But I I don't know. I just think... Uh, they've made the format this year was, you know, like, I think you hit it. It was pretty easy to understand, but I just, I just think the fans are kind of sick of them trying to make everything exciting. Yeah. Cause I think Carson, Carson Hovacar said it on Twitter that uh, a lot of genuine sports uh, moments in sports happen because it's natural you can't force that so uh yeah so the the all-star open this year four people could transfer over you got the fan vote and then uh the if you won the first two stages uh so stenhouse and busher won the stages suarez won the race and eric jones won the fan vote which yeah that's uh I was expecting Tyler Reddick to race his way in, and he was close to, but then obviously he had the well-known issue with mm-hmm. the tire, mm-hmm. I believe it was. Uh, but obviously we don't know. Is it the tire? Is it the car? Is it, like they say in the broadcast, is it the teams running the tire pressure and the camber too aggressive? Could be either way. So obviously he, well, he, he yes. would have raced his way in, but that crash took him out. So I say yes to all of it. Is it the rubber? Yes. Is it? Is it teams going too hard? Yes. Is it drivers still trying to drive these cars like they're the Gen 6 bodies? Yes. Something needs to be figured out. You know, I think it's it's a lot of issues. But I was reading something this past week because a lot of people keep saying, you know, they're going too crazy with the tire pressure. But NASCAR had told uh, Goodyear to make a tire with the expectations that NASCAR teams are going to try to push the limit. Yeah, it's uh, you know it's easy to to sit at home and say that as well. Well, how hard can it be? Right. But, you know, there's there's got to be a certain limit. I mean, you can't run the tire flat almost all the way to the ground because at some point 
the sidewall will give. And, you know, obviously we don't know what the tire pressures are and what the preferred tire pressures are and what they're actually running and what camera they're running and how much is wearing, you know, all the different blowouts that we've had in the last few weeks could be from different things. Like we have no idea, but I'm sure NASCAR, the teams in Goodyear are working closely together to figure this out because no one wants it. NASCAR doesn't want their cars to crash as much as they do. The teams don't want to tear their cars up. Goodyear don't want to look bad in the way they do because the average fan will obviously say, well, Goodyear, I'm not going to have that on my car because those tires don't last. So it's in everyone's interest, including the fans, that this issue is fixed. So I think all three parts are working really close together, but they just got to figure out some way to stop it, you know? Yeah, I know Goodyear's contract is up at the end of the year. So, you know, who knows? We might see Tire Wars 2.0, but at least this time time the cars are safe enough that nobody's probably going to die. Yeah. Um, As long as you don't get a 2005 F1 Grand Prix, you know? (laughs) Um, Speaking of tire failures, we got Kyle Larson. He took a trip through the front stretch uh, grass. And then mm-hmm. uh, Kyle Busch blew a tire. And then the process, Chastain and uh, Chase Elliott get taken out. Um, did you watch the replays on the Chastain hit? Yeah, that was uh, quite vicious, actually. Went all the way up in the air. Thankfully, he didn't flip over. But I just want to go back to that the fact that Kyle Busch even blew a tire because he won the first stage meaning that he just needs to stay in the top 15 for the next two stages. So basically, at the end of that stage, pit, take four tires, right? just be at the back, and then you get to pass two or three cars, and you're good. And you're the fast car on the track, so there will be no issue for you to do that on fresh tires. But he stayed out to keep his track position, if I'm not mistaken. And that ended up causing him to blow his tire and ended his whole race. I just I didn't see the point in him doing that whatsoever yeah. after winning that stage. I, I agree, but on the other end, if Kyle Busch did not, uh, if he didn't blow a tire, then that entire race would have just been Kyle Busch. You oh, know, yeah. Even, even if he had pitted, he, he would have been Kyle Busch on fresh tires, you know? So, it, and that's, that's another thing we need to look at. Again, we talked about how kind of boring the race was. If Kyle didn't blow a tire he probably would have led every stage. And I don't know. NASCAR is just trying to, it seems like they're trying to manufacture an exciting race, but they're doing it all at the wrong racetrack. Yeah. I mean, it's, I guess I don't know how much it's up to NASCAR and how much is up to SMI because it seems like they own the all-star race. So ultimately I think it's mostly up to them where they want to put their dates at the same time, you know, they gave, their Texas date to Coda, but still want to have two races at the Texas Motor Speedway. So they put the all-star race there. So I don't know what they can do as a fan. I want to see it at Charlotte so I can go there for two weeks and have fun. Like I've always done, but you know, being at Texas, I think we saw Sunday that at least for the all-star race, it won't work. It's going to be interesting to see what they do when they come back for the fall race when they're going to do 500 miles or yeah, it's still 500 miles. If it's going to be more interesting than the all-star race, if you know, it being so short, that just shows that the faster drivers, they can go more aggressive on their setups and they just take off. But when it's a longer race, they might be more packed together like Kansas. Or if we have a boring race in the fall, maybe Texas will just go down to having one race a year because the track doesn't work. It'll be interesting to see 
uh, how much influence on that decision the new driver council will have. Because Jeff yeah. Burton's Jeff Burton's on that council, and I don't know if you listen to like door bumper clear, but Every he was week. on there. Yeah, it's so you heard this past week. It, it's mm-hmm. going to be interesting to see uh, how the council can influence this decision. Because I think after that race, no driver wants to go back there unless you're Kyle Busch or Ryan Blaney, because you're good at that track. <laughs> yeah. Then so. I, it's, I've seen comments or heard something about you know they need to fix the track they need to change it but that's quite a big cost as well so somehow you need to like widen the track use the resting or whatever to you know make every lane good through one and two so you don't just have one lane so you can spread the field out and if they run too much up at the top then you they got to move to the bottom for a bit and you know make the move around but i think they're going to figure something out they're going to try something in the fall uh but you know, until then, all we can do is just wait and see. This year, um, you had uh, opportunities to be able to start first, second, third, if you won one of the first three stages. And then uh, what was it after stage three? They had a pit stop that was timed. And I think that was between stage two and three, right? Yeah. Uh, And Joey Logano won that. But, of course, the only reason why Joey Logano won that pit crew challenge is because Kyle Busch wrecked out uh, that man has had the fastest pit stops all year. Like, I never thought I would see a NASCAR pit stop under nine seconds. Yeah, like, it's uh, their new choreography. Somehow it's working, and it's uh, it's really fast. It's, 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 I don't really know how they can do it that fast. I mean, it's only a lug not on and off. But still, they're, when you watch them, it's just flawless. They're just so smooth. Everything is just clicking, you know, it's, I will, obviously they've been working on this for like a year or whatever they said, but it's just, it's, it's so interesting to see because you can tell it's so well orchestrated and it's as soon as someone slips up just a little bit, obviously they lose just so much time because of it. But as, as long as everything flows, it's just flawless to see. Even, even listening to other podcasts and stuff, like nobody can figure out exactly what they're doing. Uh, but I mean, it's Joe Gibbs racing. Uh, I think another big thing is that they had the money of not only Joe Gibbs, but Toyota on their side to train their crew members. You know, um, there's even a rumor that they, they bought a UFC coach for some of their drivers. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I, I'm just sure that they practice all the time. It, that's what it sounds like. They're always out there doing pit crew drills and stuff like that. 
Yeah, like some some of the smaller teams or other teams that lease out their pit crews to like Xfinity teams or to their own Xfinity yeah. teams, they go do one lug nut stops and then they go to Xfinity and do the five lugs and then back to the ones. But from what I've figured, at least some of these uh, JGR pit crews that are doing the stops this year, they didn't even pit the cars last year. They just did, at least for the last part of the year, some of them, at least uh, the gunmen, they just did these one lug nut stops just to be on it, you know, because... Yeah. And and it shows now. Obviously, they couldn't do their choreography in the first few races, but since they could start doing that, no one's been anywhere near them. And I think behind the scenes, some teams are probably looking at doing that sort of pit stop. But you're going to practice that, and then you're going to do something else on a Sunday. It's really hard to change in the middle of the season. Right. Even though it's just one guy running on the other side of the car, it changes the whole pit stop. So it's, uh, you know, even though it's just one tiny detail, the whole pit stop just changes. So. All right. So we've gotten to the moment that everybody is talking about. Uh, I don't know if you go to NASCAR Twitter, but it was a complete cluster on Sunday. Um, You know, just even guys like Dale Earnhardt Jr. just being very outspoken. Um, Mark Martin said, thank God Blaney won. Uh, but <sighs> so the new rules this year was that the race had to finish under green, no matter what, which is to me that it, it's kind of outlandish. Um, that's, that's a weird rule, you know? And, uh, I 30 feet before Ryan Blaney crosses the line, uh, a wreck that happened on the backstretch. Uh, Ricky Stenhouse, who didn't collect anybody else or collect the wall, just kind of blew a tire. And then, uh, you know, Ryan Blaney was within distance of signing his check, and then they threw the caution flag. Yeah, I don't really know where, where to start. I think people have their own opinion on this already. But to start with the wreck in itself, like if that was at any other point in the race, I'm not sure they would have thrown the caution. Maybe in the All-Star race, but in another race, you know, he, he lost the tire. He slid up to the wall. He had two cars behind him, uh, and they both went past him. He went across the track down to the bottom. And what if, what if he stops at the bottom? It doesn't matter because the leader is off turn four. He's past pit entry. The flagman has to check the flag out. Then they throw the caution. Like, wait two more seconds. Blaney has finished the race. The race is over. And then you can just go on or tell him spotter to tell him to stop. But that chat, that uh, Stenhouse car, it was still moving. So he wouldn't have caught him until turn three, turn four at earliest. And by then he's already way down to speed. So I'm not really sure why the caution came out at all. And neither is NASCAR. They all already said. said Blaney, it, so. Blaney was in turn four when that wreck happened. So they literally, they waited I, a half a lap or so, or a quarter of a lap, which is, which is still a good 10 seconds. And like you said, at that time when they threw the flag, he collected nobody, he caused no debris. And we've seen it all year. These cars will cut a tire down and NASCAR will make them rip, limp an entire lap back to the pit road. Uh, it's, you're right, that, that wreck would not have gotten a caution at any other point in this season. Yeah, like if, if that's a normal race and they throw that caution, it's it's not going to cause an issue either because Blaney's leading by, what, two seconds? Yeah. Or whatever it was. 
and the race is over. You know, okay, they race for fourth or fifth. Maybe that would have been screwed up by that caution. But sure, what does it matter? It's one position further back. No one really cares about that. But now, because of this rule that you mentioned, the race has to finish under green. So they throw the caution two seconds before it crosses the line. Oh, wait, we can't finish now because it wasn't under green. It was under yellow. So we got to go back a lap. But we can't finish with one, so we got to go back to a green-white checkered. And Blaney, he has seen the checkered flag. Obviously, the yellow lights are on way before he's there as well, so he should have seen that. His spotter should have heard the caution being called. His crew chief should have told him the caution is out. The race is not over. But obviously, they're all super excited because they won right. a million dollars. They won the All-Star race. So they completely forget about that because at 36 plus the duels, 37 plus the clash, 38 other races of the year, the race finishes if the caution comes out that close to the finish line. Right. And now all of a sudden for the first time in how many years, oh wait, caution is out two two seconds before we hit the finish line. The race isn't over. Like how is that going to click at that minute, at that second, you know? And you know, then everything of, else happened. A lot of people were, were really hard on Blaney. And it's like the broadcast didn't even mention that there was a caution out until they were on the backstretch. Nobody, yeah, I, I, everybody knew the rules, but like it didn't click because that's never been a rule before. You know, you do something one way for 20 plus years and then change it up for one night. Uh, I just, I don't think people should have been as hard on him because he just won a million dollars, you know? Yeah. And they weren't in, his team didn't even tell him there was a caution until he was like in what turn three or something like that. So I, a lot of people are talking about the window net, uh, but I think I'll go to what uh, Dale jr. Said on Twitter, you know, uh, they're allowing you to talk about the window net because they don't want anybody talking about them throwing the caution. It's, it just, to me, it definitely felt like, uh, NASCAR was trying to manufacture an exciting moment. Yeah, like if if that's if that happens and they throw the caution with him coming into turn one after taking the white flag, he's got a whole lap until he gets around. Obviously, this is not going to be an issue, but the timing with him being two seconds from the checkered flag, you know, it's just so it's the worst possible timing. And then, like you said, with him taking his window net down, he think he's finished the race. There comes the next issue because. The race isn't over. NASCAR, yes, they screwed up and they admitted it, but the team doesn't know that. Blaney doesn't know that. So he's taking his window net down before the race is over. So in a way, I can see why they want to let him keep the lead because that should not have been a caution. But they did throw the caution. So here you have two options. I can understand why Hamlin was mad because that window net has to come into place. Either black flag him, force him to pit and lose his position and make him put the win on it up or tell him, go on to pit road, fix your win on it, we'll let you retake your position. But if you do that, then obviously he's taking his win on it down before the race is over. So the next time somebody does that, why are you going to let them take their position back? You know, right. it's it's it, it, it opens up a can of worms and there is no telling where they're going to go. You know, you put yourself in a position where whatever you do, it's not going to get right. Yeah. I I mean, NASCAR was in a – because, like, I think they realized that they messed up. As soon as, soon as they uh, threw that flag, I think they knew they made a mistake. Oh, yeah. And um, 
I get them trying to correct it by not having them come down. But, you know, at some point, they needed to own up to it. Like, hey, man, you need to go down pit road. Uh, you know, you have X amount of time to get the window net up. If you don't get it up in that time, you have to go to the rear of the field. You know, something like that. But, or even, you know, they could have just saved face and, like, have everybody come down pit road to do pit stops, you know? But I, the whole thing was just, probably one of the the worst nascar moments i think i ever witnessed outside of the february 2001 daytona 500 you know so it's the question so nascar messed up but the question is is how is nascar gonna make this better i think uh, next time they're not gonna finish the race like if there is a caution on the final lap that's going to end the race like normal or they're going to tell the drivers like hey think about this because after this next time this is a rule everyone is going to be super on edge and be ready for it because they know until we hit that checkered flag and nascar tells you the race is officially over we do not know whether that caution came up before the line or not so do not put your window net down and obviously they're going to tell all the teams and all the drivers next time someone puts their window net down, you are going to have to pit. We're going to black flag you. You're going to pit and fix that window net because them letting him stay out on track because it was pretty obvious with his yellow uh, glove sticking out the window and the window net flapping. If they restart and that bump that he got from whoever was behind him, if that spins him out and the field comes straight into him, there is no telling what can happen. If he gets a push in the side, he flips over. An arm can come out the window. Debris can fly in. You know, yeah. Someone said that could be a lawsuit. I don't think they're going to lawsuit NASCAR. You know, but that could have catastrophic consequences. It's not going to stop a car coming through the window, but it's going to stop his arm coming out or debris coming in. Right. So that could have been that could have been terrible. Thankfully, the guy who should have won the race won the race, and nothing happened. So it's all good. But coulda shoulda you know it, yeah and uh it's just like i said you know everybody's voice and their opinions i denny hamlin has been very sarcastic like i don't know if he saw but he was making posts like congrats uh mark martin you won the 1994 coke 600 congratulations i know it's been a long time buddy but you know yeah. it's I, just, I saw all that before I even saw the race, and I was like, uh, okay, I got to see this. Something has happened. Something's definitely gone wrong here. My my big point is that the instance with the window net should have never happened. NASCAR should have never thrown their, that caution. And their whole excuse was, oh, we just threw it premature. And it's like, why were you even thinking about throwing it in the first place? You have four. Scott Miller has 40 plus years of experience in NASCAR, and he made a big mistake like that. Like, if that's the true case, then you need to find somebody else for that job. Yeah, one comment I heard, I'm not sure if that was his interview or if that was somebody on, like, Dorban Proclare or the NBC podcast or whatever, where someone said the race director looked up after they called it and he wasn't sure what he was seeing, so he hit the caution. But, like, he's not sure what he's seeing so he's throwing the caution when they're coming to the checkered flag. That's where I have an issue. If you're not sure what you're seeing, make sure that you know what you're looking at. 
Is there it's, any danger behind? Okay, there's a group of 10 cars coming behind. Okay, throw the caution. But now it's a car coming across the track. There is nobody behind you. Where is the leader? He's two seconds from the finish line. Okay. He's half a lap away from where this is happening. This is not going to be an issue. So I don't I know. Get, but obviously they're standing with their hand on the button like this. And as soon as something happens, he just pushes it. And, you know, that's where the issue is. Something has got to be done about this because it, they're they're very inconsistent as well. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, you're right. The entire season, they, they've been incredibly inconsistent, even down to, like, the Xfinity races and stuff. But it's just – that's such a thinly veiled excuse. You mean to tell me you've been a crew chief, you're the race director, you know, you've been around these races for most of your life, and you have no idea what you're seeing when a car blows a tire? Like, it's – it definitely feels like somebody was standing next to him and said, hey, man, we could get away with restarting this boring race. But we'll never know the truth. We'll, we'll never know what actually happened. So yeah, I, I think they they kind of had that quite a bit a few years ago, especially, you know, people would say if Dale Jr. is in the lead, we're not going to see a late to precaution. But if he's in a position where a pit stop would benefit him you can guarantee we're going to see a debris caution and i think even dale jr has said that himself on the dale jr download uh but i think they've they've gone away from that quite a bit in the last few years uh even though they've been very inconsistent with when cautions are being called the manufactured green white checkers i think they've gone away from that quite a bit lately um unfortunately sunday night might take all of these years of going away from that straight back to square one uh, hopefully it won't but you know you never know with fans because some of them just love to hate on everything that happens uh I, ju- I just hope we come out of this and next next week we see a, or this weekend we see a great coca-cola 600 and you know we'd never talk about this again until next year's all stories obviously <laughs> right um speaking of charlotte uh i am very interested to see this race because i feel like this is the first real test for these cars. We've we've seen on the 400 mile uh you know mile and a half tracks uh cuz it seems to be the intermediate tracks that are tearing up these tires. Uh the three races we've seen this season, we've seen at least six uh at least six tire issues, but that's for a 400 mile race. What are we going to see once these cars are out there running for 600 miles? Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be really great to see uh, what these cars will do for this long on, on a mile and a half. Kansas now uh, was an awesome race on a mile and a half. Obviously, that's a little bit different to Charlotte. Uh, and then we saw Texas this week, obviously, also a mile and a half, also completely different to Charlotte. Uh, but if we get anywhere close to what we saw at Kansas... Or I Las think, Vegas. Or Las Vegas, for that matter. This could be one of the better Coca-Cola 600 races we have had in very many years. And uh, obviously with the new car, we have no idea what to expect. Hopefully the tires will hold up a little bit better, maybe because it's such a long race. The teams will go a little bit more conservative on the camera and the tire pressures, at least early on in the race. And that could help Um, because most of the teams, I think, will set their cars up for the night. So when the sun is still up, I think they're all going to be very conservative just to get there. Um, but at the same time, you've got stage points to race for, two playoff points to race for before those last 
or actually, will they still do three stages for this race or four yes. stages like they do? <clears throat> they yeah, are... so there's three playoff points to race for, 30 regular yeah. season points to race for. So, I mean, there's still that. So, obviously, as always in NASCAR, there's no telling. Uh, but I think uh, this has potential to be one of the greater Coca-Cola 600 races that we have seen in Charlotte in in a lot of years. And if this turns out to be as good as I hope it will, there is no reason for them not to put the All-Star race back at Charlotte next year and give us these two weeks full of racing and excitement like we've had in previous years. All right. Uh, so I... I think this weekend, uh, Tyler Reddick is going to join the likes of Jeff Gordon and Matt Kenseth and get his first win at the Coca-Cola 600. As well as my favorite driver, Austin Dillon. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's right. I am sorry. I completely forgot about that. Yes, that's the more recent one. My apologies. Um, I, Matt Kenseth is a, Cause that happened in 2000 and I can still remember watching, you know, like all Bill Elliott and Terry Labonte get out of Matt Kenseth's way as, you know, Bobby Labonte's hunting them down. It's just one of my earliest uh, NASCAR memories, but yeah. Who, uh, who do you have winning this weekend? Well, going back to that with first time winners uh, and Austin Dillon's win. I'm going to pick the guy who brought out the uh, one of the best ever radioactive moments when Austin Dillon took the checkered flag and won that race, screaming for three straight seconds. I love that. Uh, my least favorite driver in the field, Kyle Busch, because uh, <laughs> the last five years, he has finished in the top four, all five of them from 17 to 21. He's got a win, a second, two thirds, and a fourth. Uh, he was really strong this weekend at Texas. He has been strong. Uh, all through this season, apart from, you know, a couple of races and then all the issues he's had. But if they can get it together with the speed his pit crew has, you know, I don't see why he couldn't win this this Sunday. You know, I just hope it doesn't end up being like when Truex won when he led, what, 397 or 400 laps or didn't lead all 400? Then Kyle Busch, when he won in uh, 2018, he led... I think it was 2018. He led yeah, like 381 laps. Yeah. But I just hope it's not one of them performances, but seeing what we've had from this car, I don't see why it would. I just think if he can if he can get everything together, unfortunately, I think he's going to win the race. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, <laughs> I mean, you can't say enough about uh, Kyle Busch on intermediate tracks. It. You know, he's been a contender to win, like you said. Uh, but I think I've been thinking about this. If we see an underdog win, because we've we've seen, you know, uh, an underdog win the 600, Rudiman and Dylan come to mind. Uh, Casey Mears, too. Uh, I think Bubba Wallace has a shot. He's been really good uh, at the mile and a half. He was good at Texas. I think if his his uh pit crew doesn't shoot themselves in the foot he might have a race win or a top five yeah that's um he showed very good speed the last few weeks but especially now that kurt bush got his first win 
I don't think uh, Bubba Wallace could would have taken the win had it not been Kurt Busch because he was just not quite as fast. But he drove through the field two or three times thanks to his pit crew. So if they can just keep it together, they can have a good week now practicing, forget all about that, and have a mistake-free weekend, I definitely think he can be at least well, contending for the win or a top five or a top ten, at least. He had a good car at Texas, but again... He would drive up to the top 10, and then his crew would put him in the back. Yeah. <clears throat> so, I, yeah, something needs to be figured out there on the pit crew because uh, Bubba has had some good races this year, but it just seems like every time he goes on the pit road, he loses at least five positions. Yeah, it's uh... – Obviously, they're they're leasing a JGR or two JGR pit crews as well. So, if JGR has six pit crews, which ones are they going to lease to twenty three eleven? It's obviously going to be pit crew five and six. So, uh, I don't think Danny Hamlin should put up with that. Honestly, I think he should demand something better. But JGR is not going to lease out their second and third best pit crews. Obviously not. So, the option is for twenty three eleven to sign these guys themselves and train them or get people from other teams, which I think will happen to next year when they've shown that they have speed and they're good. And, you know, they have, they can afford to have their own pit crews. So I don't think this is going to be a lasting problem. It might continue throughout this year, but coming next year, this pit crew issue for 2311 is definitely going to be figured out. Or maybe they all put it behind them and they, they have a come from behind wind on Sunday. I I don't know. I I I have no idea what to expect. We can see another Toyota domination like we saw in the last mile and a half, or maybe it's the Ford's turn to be good. Who knows? Yeah, it's uh I mean I I'd, I'd rather not see, you know, one particular manufacturer be good. It would be amazing if all three could be up there fighting for this win. And if it could be could be Blaney. Truex and Reddick, you know, three guys who doesn't have a win yet in three different manufacturers. That would be amazing. And, you know, saying that, that's three guys that doesn't have a win. We have 11. The cutoff is at 16. If those three get a win, we're at 14. Yeah. Bell doesn't have a win. Harvick doesn't have a win. That's 16. Almirola, Dylan, we're at 18. Eric Jones, 19. You know? So Iris I mean, has been close to win. Bubba could get a win. We could end up at 20 before we know what even happened. That's my prediction that we will see 20, 20 plus wins before we get to um <clears throat> before we get to Daytona uh in August or September. Um, but I don't think we'll see that next year. I think just what what we're dealing with is a lot of a lot of bad luck for a lot of teams because it seems like every week there's a bunch of tire issues, but then it's also, uh, I think next year we'll, we'll start to see the drivers that have this a hundred percent figured out. And that's probably going to be Reddick, Chastain, Byron, uh, maybe Blaney. Blaney seems to be putting it together. Uh, Kyle Busch, uh, I'm sure he's probably going to be in the, the number 18 JGR car next year, but you never know. So, yeah, I think come the end of this year, I think, or come the playoffs, I think the playoff contenders will be the ones racing for the wins. And then, you know, come the final eight or the round of eight and the final four, 
those teams that are in there, they're going to be the one competing for the wins because they will be the ones to have figured it out the best, you know, both teams and the drivers. So next year again, uh, I think we'll run the risk of going back to having maybe eight, nine, possibly 10 winners, you know, unless yeah. we get four different winners on the four super speedways uh, and then an odd road course winner like we had A.G. Allmendinger last year who wasn't even racing for, you know, points. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, but this car still has brought some great racing. And as long as the racing continues to be this way and the races are great, you know, it doesn't matter if we have that many winners because then again points will be even more valuable because you will be able to race your way and again you know one fluke win isn't gonna just you know this year one fluke win isn't just gonna get you in but next year that might happen again and you know i hate to see someone get bumped out because there are 13 winners and then someone gets a fluke win like we had last year uh so there's only two guys going in on points so more guys in on points that wouldn't really bother me that much as long as we still have great races right all right, I think that uh, that really covers it for the all-star race uh, for Charlotte. Um, I'm sure you're, you're going to become the stable co-host on this, but uh, we will be back next week. Uh, we Please tune in to Sunday Drivers on the Variety Sports Podcast. Uh, we will be talking about hopefully a very exciting weekend at Charlotte. Who knows? We got the ARCA racer this weekend. We got uh the truck race the the xfinity race and then hey jimmy johnson might even win the nd 500 this year so we have no idea yeah that would be uh that would be something it's quite something to see if he comes in there and wins that race he's one of the fastest cars i mean jimmy johnson he's been struggling at the road courses but if there's a track he knows it's it's the brickyard yeah, that's um, I'm definitely I usually don't really tune in for that because it's such a long and boring race. But I think I'm going to tune in just because of Jimmy Johnson. And I think that's one of the reasons why IndyCar really wants him there, because it's going to bring in so many new people to watch. But all right, folks, thank you for tuning in uh, and we will uh, we will see you next week.